Oh my God. Back at it again. Whoop, whoop. It's numbers on the boards. As I was uh, laying at, in bed last night, skin in my, my bed gear M3 sleep system. Oh, fancy. All I could think about was Maxi Kaliba. Shouts to him. I hope that he had the most comfortable, luxurious ice bath ever. It had to have been a long one. Yeah. Because he probably felt like he got ran over by a truck five times last night. At least. At least. That's the price you pay to block Zion Williamson five times. God, what a performance. 18 field goal attempts. Of course, he didn't do it alone. KP did uh, quite a bit of work, too. I think he also blocked five shots. Do you know the last time two Mavs have blocked five shots? I don't. Do you? A buddy of mine... The great Sean Hudgens, who now lives in the Bay Area, texted me this during the game, which means now Sean's kind of guy that'll take the time to go look these things up. Uh, and a lot of times I will not take the time to look these things up. <laughs> so you're just going to take him at his word. So Sean Hudgens is reporting last night. He believes this is the first game where two Mavs teammates have had five or more blocks since Dirk and Dampier on January 29th of 2005. Two guys known for their rim protection. Yeah. <laughs> Dirk and Eric Dampier. So anyway, shout out to Sean Hudgens wow. for that stat. He may or may not have made up or may or may not have looked up. When was That was November of 05? Uh, yeah, January of 05. January of 05? Oh, yep. Okay. Well, they lost in the second round that year. Hopefully we uh, get a little further than that this year. Man, why'd you take it back to that, Bob? Well, because I, I thought it was—I thought you said November of 05. So oh. it's like, you know what happened a few months later? They went yeah. to the finals. Okay, okay. So uh, there's a little bit of foreshadowing. Um, yeah, Mavs beat the Pelicans last night. What was the final score? 127-123? I'm going to say yes. I think it's your final in OT. Uh, First overtime game. game they've won this year. And I think since 2016, maybe. God, is that right? Yeah, they've lost. Coop said they had lost, I think, 11 overtime games in a row. I know they did not win one last year, and I know they didn't won, win one the year before that. Wow. That was the year pre-Luka, yeah. So Mind this is, blown. This is, it, it genuinely might have been the game. Do you remember whenever Darren Williams hit that three from the corner? Mm-hmm. Rondo like, yes. tried to trip him? Yes. Pretty sure that might have been the last OT Holy game they won. Crap. I mean, that that could be wrong. Okay. But that's just off the top of my we'll head. We'll get that. Sean Hudgens to look okay, it up. Yeah, text him. Text now, him. Um, so do you know the stat? Because I'm about to butcher it. But apparently the Mavericks had lost. They were 0-25 in games this year when they were down by more than four points in the final five when, minutes. When trailing at all. Trailing at inside all. Inside the final four. Four minutes, okay. When trailing. At all. Not even by like so five. So one point. Like a point, yeah. They have not won a game. That was the first game they'd won all year in which they were trailing inside of four minutes. That is almost too insane to believe. It's really, you know, this. Did uh, Sean tell you that? Sean Hudgens is going to look that up. No, actually, Followell told me that. Or maybe it was Dave Keeney. Okay, yeah. Dave Keeney does not get stuff wrong. No, no, no. These are reputable guys. Um, Dave Keeney, if you don't know, is the producer of our Mavs broadcast. And if you don't know who Mark Followell is, it's weird that you're listening to this podcast. Yeah. Uh, Dave Keeney runs the Twitter account Mavstats. It's not Mavstats. It's actually Mavstats. Yes. Uh, He mostly talks about (laughs) tattoos, but sometimes does... Tweet he was very excited when they acquired Willie Collins. Yeah, let me tell you, gave man, that account whole new life. In the streets. So yeah, that was a good win last night. It's a it's a weird season for evaluating what the team is, um, and I but I do feel like it is going somewhere health permitting, because yep. I think everything that has just been start and stop and well, how do you explain this and what's the deal with this and 
like uh, the loss to Chicago. You and I didn't talk about the Chicago loss. Just like we, personally, dudes hanging out. No, we didn't. I don't. I don't think we've spoken. I saw, uh, and it's very normal to be upset at a loss and say, "Well, this is the worst loss," and that loss sucked. That was a pretty bad loss. But I'll say this: I've said this on the broadcast numerous times over the years. If you're going to beat a team on the second night of a back-to-back, usually you pounce on them at the beginning of the third quarter because that's after they've gone in the back and they've sat. And I've just seen it a million times over the years. Where a team that's tired, it really reveals itself. Now, it can reveal itself at different times, but that's usually an area to pounce. What if it was the third game in four nights and all four games were travel games? And so, look, everybody's got their own schedule things they have to deal with. I'm not telling you it's an excuse. It's not an excuse. There's no excuses. What I'm telling you is been watching the NBA for 30 years or whatever it is now and I can't tell you how many times I've seen that unfold it's very common for a tired team to be revealed at the beginning of the second half on the second night of a back-to-back much less the third night and four third game in four nights and it was their seventh game since the all-star break in seven different cities they'd played one home game and I think in that was either 10 or 11 days I think 11 days because you count the game, the day of the game, but so but at least they had all their players available. Oh, oh yo, no, no, down uh, right. No Porzingis, Seth Curry, right. Jalen Brunson, Seth Curry on the greatest really stretch of his life, and KP on the greatest stretch of his life. So too. I, I, you know, what I'm saying is, is it's still bad loss. Yeah, it's crap. It's crap. The Knicks losses suck. To me, the worst loss of the year is far and away the Charlotte game at home. That was. Really bad. Because I've, I, in my opinion, I don't know if the team agrees, but I watched a team go, ah, we got it. Yeah. I watched them physically let up. You that know, was my opinion. Just my opinion. I could be way wrong. In that game, it was, uh, it was the fourth quarter. The Mavs were up, I think, by eight. And somebody, some nameless Hornets player, maybe Biombo or somebody, went over two from the line. They started playing the chicken dance song in the arena because everyone won free chicken. <laughs> Luca banged in a three. Charlotte called timeout, and it was like, we're going to win the title yes. this year. You know? And, and then we after played that, like crap the remainder of just, the game. It peaked. And then got our butts kicked in overtime. When they played the chicken dance You're song. right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. So, but, so dude, all, that song. all losses you know, have some degree of disappointment to them, some far worse than others. But um, – I'm not going to make sweeping judgments of a team that is missing all of those guys playing their third game in four nights. I just don't think that's the best way to evaluate what a team is. And when I step back and look at all of it, I feel like this thing is trending in a really good direction, the main reason being that Porzingis is fully realized. So can I make like a weird sports guy opinion? Oh, yeah. So this is, this is sports talk. Uh, Get it. Follow me here. Tell me if I'm off base. Where are you taking us, Bob? You'll find out soon once I say it. If Luca hits that half court shot against the Bulls, mm-hmm. he missed it by what six inches or something. I mean, a little was, short left, yeah, tiny yeah, bit very short close. Left. If he makes that, they win, and it's like, um, oh, you know, we played like crap, but we won. Cool, let's go home. And it's almost like you kind of need to fall off your bike once or twice to be reminded, like, I need to pay a little more attention, you know, yeah. when I'm yeah, doing yeah, this. Yeah. And uh, I think that. The def- the def- the deciding factor in that Bulls loss was the Bulls just played harder than the Mavs in the third quarter. They kicked their ass. Yeah, and really down. The- I mean, they got some rebounds in the fourth yeah. quarter. They shouldn't have been. Um, the Bulls made a few really dumb mistakes. Otherwise, it would not have come down to that shot anyway. But last night, especially in the first half, even though it was a close game, the Mavs are only up by like two or three. I think of the half. 
I thought that was probably their hardest playing half of basketball that they've had in 2020. The I first mean, half? Yeah. That's they interesting. Played. I don't know that I noticed that, but I thought they played exceedingly well. I just thought some shots didn't go in mm-hmm. in, the, in that first quarter. But I didn't – I hadn't thought about it in those terms, but I was happy with how they were playing. Mm. And I was very impressed with how the Pelicans were playing. Like, man, they were just moving offensively. Like, both offenses looked incredible in the first quarter. It's just some shots didn't go down. And some dumb turnovers by yeah, both yeah, teams. Yeah. But that's bound to happen. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the NBA. But like, but Especially with the pace those two teams were yeah. pushing it at last but night. But going up against Zion, it's like, if you don't play hard, he will – and even if you do – He will punish you. Yeah, but if you don't, if you don't come ready to play, he will – Bend you in half so, on national TV, but they were ready to go, and yes. I mean it was. Ma- and Willie Cauley Stein came in first game in like a month for him, and he yep. played out of his mind too. I mean, they brought a level of physicality that I just have not seen them play with in that a very w- long time. And that was to your point, like the, the way that I evaluate some of these things. I'm far more interested in that game than I am in the Chicago game mm. because that game was a playoff game. Why? Because New Orleans was doing everything it could to win that game. It was desperate to win that basketball game. If they had beaten Minnesota, there's a chance you don't see Zion the next night. Now, I know there's, you know, resting guys on nationally televised games and different things like that. But they became desperate to win that game because a week and three days ago, they thought they were going to be the eight seed. And then they had they lost. Now they've lost four or five games, mm. and that loss to Minnesota was crushing. So they desperately needed to win that game. The Mavericks desperately wanted to establish some momentum after the two and two road trip and the Chicago loss. And are we going to be good at home? And all those kinds of things. It was a nationally televised game. Dez was sitting on the front row. Pat Mahomes was sitting on the front row. I looked over and I saw Tank Lawrence. Uh, Michael Irvin was there. Michael Irvin was there. Eden uh, Hazard, who's probably the most famous person to come to a Mavs game in like 10 years. The night before his, his Michael Irvin's birthday today. So that was a show. And people were there that are just, uh, you know, train spotters that were there to like, oh, I'm a Zion fan. That was like the old Kobe's in town atmosphere. Mm, place that, was packed. That was a playoff game it last night. It was awesome. So if I'm going to evaluate what I think this team is or isn't, I'll evaluate him on last night's game as opposed to Monday night's game. Mm. Yeah, and it's especially in context as a response to what happened on Monday because there's like two ways that it can go after a loss like that. That sucked, whatever. I just want to get to the playoffs. We have another game in two days. I'm tired. We've played three and four. This is lame. Mm -hmm. Or we better get our act together, otherwise we're going to get embarrassed by another losing team. Right. And they blocked 11 shots in the first half. Like – think they decided which direction they were going to take it, you know? Yeah. And Boy, what a great – I mean, Kleba deserves the lion's share of the credit, but I thought their team defensive effort on Zion was fantastic. They were awesome. And the thing that's going to be cra- – here's the thing I didn't like is like – so Antonio Daniels told Harp at halftime, that's the best defensive effort we've seen on Zion yet. Wow. So they're, they're – uh, if you don't know, Antonio Daniels is the color analyst for Pelicans games. And so – that beast is now walking away from that game going, I owe the Mavericks. Which sucks. Which sucks. <laughs> Did you see the one time he got the dunk when Maxie went oh down, the God. stare down? Yeah. And, you know, May have been a charge, but, you know. Because okay. he, dude, the guy, like, he basically, Maxie had him all tied up in knots. And if you just look at a box score, you go, what are you talking about? He's 9 of 18. Dude, there was three or four plays in the second half where Zion 
fell the hell down trying to make a move. Yeah. And that's because he was – Max, he took away his left. And then when he got his bearings, there were seven three Kristaps there. The thing is going to be crazy dangerous. That dude is a good passer. Yeah. And he finds guys. And he can handle the ball. And he can handle the ball. And he can bring the ball up the floor. Woo! And he can but here's another reason last night was big. On all the talk shows, national talk shows, it was Luca versus Zion all day long. Those players know that, dude. Mm. When you walk into a locker room, those shows are on. They all know what people are saying. When was the last time that the Mavs basically let off every segment of sports talk on national? Never. I mean, 2011? Like, yeah, June of 2011. Yeah. I and mean, even then, it. those segments were what's wrong with LeBron. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is it is insane to see the level of whatever attention, hype, respect. And that's why, I mean, winning these games, it's going to happen. Now, if they would have lost, it would have been, oh, are they – are they just too young? Do mm-hmm. they not get it? I mean, that's why you can't get swept up in the narrative of every single game. Dude, if they go out and get spanked by the Grizz on Friday night, we'll have got problems. About it. Yeah, yeah. It'll be it'll be time to push the panic button. Um. So and then I saw I saw Brad Townsend tweeted Luca's questionable with illness. Yeah. So he showed up today, was sick. They sent him home. Better not have coronavirus. I'll be very disappointed. Yeah. I don't. I don't think that. Uh, I'm just assuming Luca might be point. able to just beat it. I think we all have coronavirus. We just don't know it yet. Maybe. And then it's just degrees of, eh, you know, how bad is this? Yeah. I'm assuming. I think it'll be okay. Okay. It is allergy season, though. Oh, my God. These weather swings. It was like 25 degrees last night, and then it's like 80 today. It's playing with I never know what to wear when I leave uh, my house. And there's no way for me to know what it's going to feel like outside before I leave. No. (laughs) You could have that technology. It sucks. Just layer up. You can peel them off. Dude, Luca vs. Zion four times a year for the next 10 years. Give it to me. Oh, my God. Shoot it into my veins. Luca vs. Jaw, too? Yeah, man. Oh, because Luca didn't play. uh, So Mavs vs. Grizzlies tomorrow night. Luca did not play in the first game of that right uh the most recent one i guess yeah the last time they played yeah uh neither kp nor jaw played in november Mm -hmm. and then they played again what like two weeks ago and luca missed and then they'll play tomorrow hopefully luca plays Mm -hmm. hope so no jaron jackson and no brandon clark both of those guys were very good the last time the grizzlies came here so that's two Um, active bigs yeah yeah pogo stick dudes yeah um okay so we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some lineup stuff here. All right. And then I opened it up to Twitter, at SkinWade, at Bobby Corella. Oh, That's cool. That's where you can find us on Twitter. And I, I said, like the Twitter uh, action. I said, we're going to record a podcast, numbers on the boards. Uh, send us some questions, because I'm pretty bad at coming up with talking points. And so I got some feedback from the listening audience. So we'll uh, talk about some of the things that they mentioned, stuff like shooting, uh, specifically Seth Curry, and then uh, KP playing the five with Luca, and then a little bit about the playoffs. We'll talk about all that kind of hit them uh, one by one. But first, if you have not listened to uh, the Luca interview that we posted last week, go do that right now. What are it you was doing? Episode seventy nine. I think it's just called Luca Doncic. I tried to make it as like <laughs> obvious as possible what the episode is about. But uh, Luca joined Skin and me. I guess we can tell the story. Uh, last summer in June or July, he was in town. He had been in Europe, came to Dallas. I think he was about to go to uh, L.A. for that ESPN awards ceremony. Oh, yeah, the SBs or whatever. I want to say that's what he was in town for, like okay. he was stopping here before. Yep. And uh, one afternoon we went over there. Luca was cool enough to take some time and talk with us. And it got buried under 
stuff. Yeah, just stuff. Stuff happened. Stuff happened, and uh, it, it was lost. It was frozen in time for a moment, but we finally were able to release it to the listening audience, kind of in celebration of Lucas 21st. Someone said we should have done that for, we should have skipped two podcasts and made that the 77th I know. podcast. I should just go back and change it. Who know? <laughs> would know? two older episodes. Yeah. Who cares? Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, so Luca joined us. We talked for, I don't know, probably like 25, 30 minutes. Yes. Uh, visited a little bit about uh, furnishing his home in Slovenia. Mm-hmm. Um, how many times he's watched Friends. Spoiler, a shockingly high number of times yep. he's watched. I don't know where he finds the time. And uh, stuff that I found really interesting was who's your favorite ball handler, who's your favorite shooter, but then who are the toughest players to score on was what I really liked hearing him talk about. So uh, Go back and listen if you haven't. Go back and listen to that. Yeah, yeah. Go back and listen to that. Did they fly you into Miami for his birthday? Uh, they did. They offered, but mm-hmm. I turned it down. Of course. I, like, I, I don't want it to be about me. Right. You know, I want it to be about Luca. Good decision. So Dirk went. I was like, that's pretty selfish, Dirk. Yeah. Wow, know? what a jerk that yeah. guy is. Yeah, come on. And I was like, he'd been in Kenya doing some humanitarian diplomatic stuff with the president of Germany. It's like, what? seriously. What gives with this much? guy? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, just retire, dude. Stop trying to save the world, you weirdo. Uh, okay, skin. Yes. I'm going to coin a nickname here. Okay. All right. I want to uh, mark my territory. All right. I'm going to be the first person to ever use the term big four to describe four basketball players on the same team. That's never been done. Never, ever been done before. And when I say the big four, this is who I'm talking about. Luca, KP, Tim Hardaway Jr., Seth Curry. Ooh, okay. Not all of them are big, mm-hmm. like in size, but they all produce big stat lines. Okay, I like the it. the big four. Yeah. Last night, I want to say they combined to score like 100 points or something. Wow. They were very, very good. And generally, whenever the Mavs win, it's because they play well. Um, so I want to rattle off some stats to you real quick. Okay. And then I want to get your take on kind of where things stand with coming into the year, we knew Luke and KP were good. Who else was going to be good? These guys, yeah. evidently, are, are pretty good. Um, so this season, when Seth Curry scores in double figures, they're 21 and 12. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. When he scores at least 15 points, they're 16 and 8. That's very good. Very good. Uh, when Tim Hardaway Jr. scores at least 15 points, they're 19 and 11. That's very good. Pretty damn solid. When Doncic, Curry, and Tim Hardaway play together in any game, even for one second. Okay. So Luca, okay, okay, those three on the floor together. Yeah, Lucas, Seth, Tim. Yep. Whenever they share the floor for at least one second, the Mavs are 27 and 12. Oh, my God. Which over the course of 82 games is like 55 wins. It's undefeated, I think. Right? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. pretty much. And then finally, when Luca and KP just play, excluding the first Miami game when Luca left after two minutes, when they just play together. I think I know this. What are they? 27 and 12. 25 and 12. Mm. Yeah. But I knew they were going to win the next two. Okay, so you're from the future. I'm from the future. Memphis, <laughs> suck it. Indiana, suck it. I'm from the future, guys. Yeah. Uh, and that is, uh, that's, that's good to hear. Okay, and real quick, mm-hmm. how many games at home have Luka and KP played together? Oh, uh, oh, since uh, oh okay, I never know when you're going to stop. <laughs> since they went to Mexico City, how many games have they played at home together? Oh, uh, one, six. Oh, okay. It's, that's that's going for the shocking last night answer. That's pretty. That's pretty shocking. Six. What are they? Six. That's three months. Are they five and one? Four and two. They're four and two, games. Bob. Yeah. If you extrapolate that out, that's a lot. Very good. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, that's a lot of wins. But th- that kind of goes to there's what seventeen and fourteen at home this season. Mm-hmm. They've not had both of those guys together 
in almost three months, really, at home. Yeah. When they have, they've generally won. But anyway. It's kind of like what I was sort of saying earlier. It's like it's it's very hard to really establish what you think this team is based on what's happened this year. Mm-hmm. I think what you have to do is you have to look at what this team is capable of and think with health, what can it do as opposed to. Like I saw some guy going, man, in the Mavericks' last uh, eight wins, they've only beaten – Two of only two of those wins have come against teams above 500, and I'm like, well, did their best players play? Mm. You know, it's like when you're evaluating a team, like what it can and can't do. Aren't you evaluating it on having its like best situation? Because very few teams lose their best players and go on to do great things. Yeah, look at what happened to Golden State. Right. They're not even going to make the playoffs. No. This year. So it's like when you're doing all this, what this team is and what it can be, you're looking at an optimal situation. You know, usually teams don't go on to greatness when they're missing their best players. That's just kind of a fact of sports. So that's why I think a lot of these projections, like I've heard, and it's funny too how the things change. Like someone will go, uh, I just don't think they can beat the Clippers in the playoffs. Like, yeah, I understand. I think the Clippers are going to win a championship. So I get it. (laughs) Um, They were a 30-win team last year. Have we really slammed it? the pedal that hard Mm. like that's the evaluation so i i I, like everything is going in a direction i'm very very i feel very very good about Mm. there's things that i'm disappointed in or things that can be fixed or whatever but i I just see reaction i'm like golly i think we've completely lost perspective on this thing Mm. this team has a chance to go be very competitive in the first round of the playoffs and to me that's a huge win i don't think there's any question that they're, I don't know about outperforming expectations because I, I think you and I both expected them to make the playoffs or yeah. at least contend for it. And right now they're ready the to guarantee, yeah, yeah. Which is now, granted, I think they've had a lot of good fortune with no disrespect, other teams just kind of falling apart. I mean, mm-hmm. Portland hurt, Golden State hurt, the Spurs took them a month to finally right. kick it into high gear, and right. that the landscape of the conference changes whenever those three mainstays are all kind of on a down year at the same time. Right. Certainly made the path easier for the Mavs, but they're not the only team that's taken advantage. Look at what OKC's doing. Memphis. And Memphis, yeah. And New Orleans. Even mm-hmm. without Zion, they're still like right there. Yeah. They're four games out now, which is Sacramento, tough. dude. Sacramento, yeah, they're they're turning it on. HB might be able to shave soon. But uh one of the most, I guess, unexpected, not in terms of we didn't see it happening. But in the way that it happened, one of the most unexpected developments is Seth Curry becoming this like bona fide third, fourth scorer guy. Wow. And the reason that it's not expected is because he was coming off the bench for the entire year. He's only starting now because Dwight got hurt. Mm-hmm. So Dwight tore his Achilles on January 21st. Before then, Curry and Doncic played together for an average of 12 minutes per game. Curry and Doncic played together. Okay, gotcha. 12 minutes a game. Yep. Essentially, for the first like month and a half of the year, Curry played when Doncic left the floor. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't play together hardly at all. Are you taking this back to last night? Well, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I know. I like this. I like yeah. this. I so like the final minute or so of overtime. Yeah. So they did not play. It was basically like one of them is on, one of them is off, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And then they slowly started realizing, hey, our offense is really good. Let's play Seth more and just outscore people. Mm-hmm. So Seth started playing a little more. And a little more, and then guys got hurt, and things were all out of shape for a little while. And then KP comes back, Luke is healthy, we're ready to rock, and boom, Dwight ruptures his Achilles, and you're like, oh crap, well, we gotta change something. Mm-hmm. We can't go big, big anymore because Max is our only other big that right. can play really steady minutes. So let's insert Seth into the starting lineup. And from then, in the last 
it's only been 10 games that Luke has been healthy and Seth has played in since January 21st. But in those 10 games, they've played 25 minutes a game together, which is a whole lot more. Double since the January court time. 21st? Yeah. Okay. So in the last 10 games, when Luke and Seth play, Seth has started 25 minutes a game. They're sharing the floor, double the time, yeah, basically. Right. And so you're getting just this huge influx, tremendous influx of shooting. Yeah. And where that came into play last night, and it's coming to play in many other games, but where it came into play last night was on the biggest shot of the game, put the Mavs up two with 30 seconds left or whatever it mm-hmm. was. Luca takes a high screen from KP, drives the lane. You have Maxi on one wing, KP popping on the top, and so you have two little guys in the paint. One of them slides over to Luca. Luca looks him off. Euro steps around another guy, looks off Zion, gives it to Seth in the corner, and he's wide open for three. Bang. And it is... Just it's automatic offense. Yeah, you could see. I don't know if you noticed on the replay because you might have been. Were you on the court waiting for an interview? At that point, I was down underneath the basket. Down under the where uh, the Mavs on the were Mavs shooting. Side, yeah. Okay. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, let me let me pull it up. I'm gonna stall for a second. So, uh, Play you can always Georgia tell Brown. during. Uh, <laughs> that's beautiful. Oh, it's uh, very in the wrong. Key. You can always know it is. Uh, I didn't want to tell you that. That's all right. You can always tell whenever guys have made mistakes by watching the opponent's bench. Oh, watching everybody's And so what shoulders. I want you to look at while we're watching this play uh-huh. is these guys, specifically okay. him. I don't know who that is. They're all Okay, so all those guys are standing up with their arms folded. There's 50 seconds left. Luca is – the crowd is standing. Luca, all right, swings it over to Tim. Luca's going to drive. He's ISO, mm-hmm. gets right past Derek They're Favors, going over. kicks it to Seth. And as soon as he shoots, <laughs> oh, my God, and he doesn't even look. No. And then now I want you to watch Alvin Gentry. So okay. Pelicans coach Alvin Gentry seated during the play. Yeah. Now, as Mavs fans, we're used to Rick Carlisle. He's standing, like, the entire game. There are other coaches, Doc, Alvin Gentry, other yep. guys, that are a little more laid back. But there's nothing laid back about Alvin Gentry's reaction here. So there he is right here. Mm-hmm. Kicks it to Seth. He's like, oh, my God, you've got to be kidding me. He's standing up to call timeout <laughs> before it even goes Okay, in. so it's interesting <laughs> because really the biggest mistake I would say Zion made because once Drew goes into the lane, he can't, he's, he can't worry about Maxie. He's got to worry about you never give up the short corner. St- I mean, and so it's weak side, but once he goes outside, it becomes the strong side. And you just you have to cut off the corner shooter. You have to. But isn't this part of the whole point of inverting offense? Like Drew Holiday is the rim protector on this last play. Yes. Yes. And that is not how you play defense. And he's freelancing so much. He's so far off Seth because you have KP rolling. He's rolling. He's a little forward. He went over to try to tag KP. Now KP is posting up KP. Let's space it back out. And now Luke is one-on-one with the center, and he gets by him in one step. Yep. And so now it's Drew Holiday, and that's it. So now Zion's playing one-on-two, and Luca just looks off. He's a rookie. He looks him off. Yeah. <laughs> and the entire bench is just, oh, my God, you got this one guy. He can't even shoot. He's not even looking. God, that's amazing, dude. And you Where are you? Are you right here? Uh, I am. Let's see. So, oh, I'm probably standing right on the other side of that little oh, stanchion. So right that's there. you just pumping your fist and taunting the Pelicans bench. Right yes, there? that's me in oh, their okay. face. Beautiful. Yep. Beautiful. Uh, so yeah, you can always. I, I I had a chuckle whenever I watched the replay. Yeah. Of that, but that is kind of. I mean, Seth Curry is. On another level, he's, he's on another. another he's planet. not missing right now. He's shooting forty-seven percent on threes off a pass from Luca this year, which um, is ridiculous. So you know what I think is going to really happen, as you know, teams are taking stuff away. 
So there was this luncheon thing I was at on Monday, and Dirk was talking. And he was talking about skills in the mid-range game. And he's like, you know, the mid-range game is a game that takes a lot of skill. And last year, Golden State's mid-range shots, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it went way up. Mm. And the reason it went way up is because they were getting run off of the three-point line so hard. And so when you're doing these – well, we take threes and layups because those are the highest percentage of shots. But one of the things that you factor into all that, those are all shots. And so when you start taking, we're going to take away mid-range shots, you're talking about you want to take away contested mid-range shots. You don't want to take away wide-open mid-range shots. Yep. And so last year, Golden State was getting run off. Well, a guy like Steph or, or you know, Clay, oh, you're giving me a wide-open 17-footer? Bang. Or KD, who's right. one of the best ever. And so my point is that these things are cyclical. And that mid-range – so when people say, well, mid-rangers are low-percentage shot, not if you're wide open, they're not. They're low-percentage when it's a guy turning and there's a hand in his face. You know, we're talking about quality of shots. You know, back when – before the, the three-point expl- explosion, when people were talking about average shot distance – and I was like, who cares? Is the shot contested or not? Mm-hmm. I would rather a guy shoot a wide open three than a contested 15-footer all day, every day. The idea is to create open shots. And so what's going to happen is is these, this mid-range game is going to come back. Not from the standpoint where it's, hey, I'm going to ISO DeMar DeRozan here, but from the standpoint of those areas are going to be wide open. And that's part of what makes Seth and Tim – in particular, so valuable is because unlike guys like Dorian, even Courtney Lee, Justin Jackson, they yes. can do the shot fake one dribble pull up from that's 18 exactly, and it's almost automatic. That's exactly where I was going. I was talking about this because of Seth. Because what Seth is really good at, Seth is really good on his two-point shots too. But he doesn't get all the way into the teeth. He knows to release before he – because he's a small dude and he's not explosive. So he's developing – or has developed rather that little area. And so – Man, when, when everyone's scrambling and they're running out to you, if you can take two dribbles or one dribble and pull up from 18 or 20 and it's wide open, that's not a low percentage shot. It's a low percentage shot when it's defended. He's 56% in the mid-range this season. Dude, <laughs> that's you're insane. not going to take that? <laughs> that's insane. You're going to take that all day. Yeah, and even if – I don't think anybody's going to argue that Seth and Tim are quality – like really above average, very good playmakers, right? Facilitators. Mm-hmm. They're shooters, scorers. But they're not one-dimensional, right? Right. If you run them off the line, they have another weapon. And so in a playoff series in particular, it's one of those things where if you're the coach, are you going to say run them off the line or are you going to just like try and get a hand up, get a good contest? Because that, that changes the way you defend. Right. Right. If you run Luke off the line, he'll get to the rim and kick it out to somebody. If you run these guys off the line, they're just going to hit you with the 20 footer. Right. And they're going to make it. And and that's the thing too, is when a guy sells out to run somebody off, well, the help is different. Yeah. It's, it's just different. You go into full rotation. Yeah. And then scramble mode. And that's where the, I mean, the Mavs will kill you. I mean, we were just watching a clip where Drew holidays down in the paint and his man is the best shooter on the floor and he's not within 10 feet of him. Yeah. And in the other corner, that whenever the Mavs were uh, so opening play of the game, basically Luca and KP hooked up for an alley oop. Mm-hmm. The Mavs ran that same exact play basically to start the second half. Yes. Well, the Pelicans saw it coming, so whoever was guarding Tim, pretty sure it was Drew. It might have been Lonzo Ball, but it might have been Drew Holiday. 
sagged way off Tim to stop KP, and Luca found Tim in the corner for three. Bang. So you got whenever you got these two guys in the corner. By the way, Tim Hardaway, the number one three-point shooter from the right corner this season. Is that right? Yeah, the number one shooting fifty-one percent. Want to know who? Probably the on one a lot of attempts, I would think. Yeah. Want to know who the number one shooter is from the right wing on threes? Uh, from the 45 degree. Oh, is it Seth? Seth Curry. Yeah, because he takes a lot of those shots. He absolutely does. So when you can flood the wings and the corners with this elite, elite shooting, it just makes Luka's job so much easier. Yeah. And so the question I have, this is a very long intro to this question, but do you think, because I think we all understand the defensive, I guess, limitations of the Seth, Luka, Tim trio is none of these guys are particularly big. Uh, they're not as switchy. Like, Tim can guard some ones and some threes, but for the most part, he's guarding twos. Seth is really kind of ones and twos. Luca's whoever is left, basically. <laughs> Whereas with, you know, guys like Dorian and, mm-hmm. and Maxi, you can switch a little more. But right. these four, those three plus KP, give you so much offense that do you think they can be, especially with Curry in the lineup instead of somebody like Dwight Powell or Maxi or whoever, competitively viable with just, like, pure – unadulterated offense well um it's kind of a variation on what the rockets are doing question wise right mm-hmm. you're talking about playing to a specific strength so much you're foregoing these other things yeah um and i would say it's going to depend on the matchup okay um i think all those things always depend on the matchup what a lot of people dismiss and forget about aside from the fact that we all witnessed it that the rockets should have beaten the warriors Right. Yes, in 2018. 2018. And by the way, in the middle of this greatest team ever, the Oklahoma City Thunder had them beat, bro. And do you know how they had them beat? They beat the crap out of them inside. Mm -hmm. They beat, they pounded them. Ibaka was still with them at the time. I believe that is accurate. That was his last season with them. Yeah. So my point is, is that we kind of get set into these things and go, well, these things are true. We hold these basketball truths to be self-evident until the matchup gets bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I just think it always is going to depend on the matchup. You know, because I, I was even thinking recently about what the Rockets are doing. Dude, give me the Rockets in the first round of the playoffs. Give me, And I, don't, I, well, I know the tear they're on. And I've been watching what Russ is doing. And I realize all this. Dude. Give me, give me a seven-game series in which P.J. Tucker is covering Kristaps yeah. Porzingis. If nothing else, it would be fun. KP would put up Dude, astronomical numbers. Give me that all day mm. long. I will take that. And then I'm going to go, all right, putting the pressure back on you, James Harden. Are you really the greatest player in the world, like you're saying? Are you really an MVP? Because if you look at the way this series laid out, you should go win this series if you are what you've been saying you are. And I've watched you play a lot of playoff games over the years, and you've had some really good ones, but I just don't think that intangible. I want to see it first. Yeah. I like that. I want to see Russ and James share the ball in the playoffs. I want to see you win a series with Robert Covington as your best rebounder. I want to see all these things manifest in a seven-game series because the one thing that I would say about the way the Mavericks do it, they can make a minor tweak and suddenly not get beat up by Zion. Or they can open things up and let it fly. Like, they don't have to – I'll say this. The Rockets tripling down on small ball, they had to. Yeah. They had no other option because of the nature of Russ's game and his age and the size of his contract. And in combination with Capella, they just could not create enough space. This is literally the thing they had to do. 
there is not, in my opinion, maybe there's some people on the coaching staff and the front office and the analytics guys that disagree with me, there is not one style of play that the Mavericks have to play to win. They can do a couple of different things, which all the talk about the lineup of hell and all that, they could play a lot of different styles of basketball. They can. They absolutely, Golden State could play a lot of different styles of basketball. Yeah. So my point is the Mavericks don't have to do one thing. Now it's changed a little bit with Dwight being hurt, mm -hmm. but you saw last night, I mean, normally you would have rolled Seth out again, right? Mm -hmm. But that necessitated a change, and it worked. And that's where I think lineup flexibility matters so much because, I mean, one of the untold, like, the ugly, ugly truths from that four-game spell where they go two and two, and even the win in Minnesota was not the prettiest ever. I mean, it, that, was, that was a bad week of basketball. The bench did not score 20 points in any of those games. 20 points. And, mm -hmm. I mean, this has been the number one, number two, number three bench in the league for right. virtually the entire season. Right. But Jalen Brunson goes out. Luka and KP alternate missing games. So, you got bench guys bumped up to the starting lineup. All of a sudden, you just have no offense off the bench. Mm -hmm. And it's down to basically your second unit is J.J., Boban, Courtney Lee, Justin Jackson, DeLon, guys who, outside of DeLon, are lucky to get like eight, ten minutes in a game are right. suddenly playing like 20 minutes. Right. And it's just tough to generate offense that way. But – Last night, you start Maxi, you start Dorian, Tim, Luca, and KP. Seth comes off the bench, and so suddenly you can get to a point where you always have two of the, or even three of the big four on the floor at the same time. There's mm -hmm. no point where more than two of them are out, and you just leave offense on the floor. Like, so I, I don't know if you necessarily have to start Seth. Earlier in the year, he was not very good coming off the bench. I, th I think it took him a little bit of time to kind yeah. of adjust to that, but... I mean, in the, with the groovies in now, he came in and hit, like, four threes in the first half without a miss, and that was off the bench. That was doing the jet thing. I don't think there's anything you could do to throw Seth off right now outside yeah, of injury. The way he's oh, playing. my God. He's insane. Wouldn't he – I think in – well, I didn't – I haven't factored in last night's game, but I know in the 11 games leading up to it, he was hitting 57.5% of his three-point <laughs> shots over an 11-game stretch. Yeah. I think including last night since February 1st, 58% on God, threes. man. Which is – Sizzling. Astonishing. It's sizzling. Now – it's very important that he hit those threes because they won by four. They went to overtime. They were losing when he hit his biggest shot of the game. They're 18-2 and two this season when they shoot at least 40% on threes. Oh, wow. And so it really is almost like it doesn't matter who's on the floor. If they just make their shots, they're going to win. Mm -hmm. And that's the most – coming into the year, I remember you and I talked, and a lot of people talked about, do they, just, do they have enough shooting? Right. Like, they're going to shoot 50 threes a game or whatever it is, but if they suck, it doesn't matter. Well, last year they were 28th and above the break three-point percentage, mm -hmm. 28th out of 30 teams. Pretty horrible. They were third in attempts, so they're taking a ton of them, right? and they're, they're hitting 33% of them, one out of every three. This year, they're still third in attempts, tied for second, but they're 10th in percentage. Huge. They're scoring basically an extra six points per game from above the break. Yeah. Shots, points that they were just simply were not getting last year. Yeah. They're taking more attempts this year, and they're making a higher percentage of them. And that is a huge reason why they went from 109 points a game to now better than 116. They're just better at shooting. Do, do they have uh, – I think it's once Maxi hits one more three, they got five guys with 100 made threes. Really? I believe that's right. That pull would up have to be a record, right? Pull up reference right now and okay. see if that's yeah, the yeah, case. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, there's never one story. Like we like to do this in sports talk to make things easy. The story of the season is this. There's never one story. Maxi needs one more. Dorian Finney-Smith needs four more. Then they'll have six guys. Six guys. With 100, with 100 Holy makes. crap. Okay, and, and it's interesting that you said those two guys because I've said this on this podcast. I've said this on the radio. I believe this. KP, 
Luca, Tim Hardaway, all this stuff is incredible. The definition or the defining thing of this season to me is those two guys you just said are going to hit 100 three-pointers made. Yeah. Those two guys, because when we had those conversations about is there enough shooting, you and I were not talking about Dorian and Maxi being shooters. Mm -mm. It is the story of the season that your two best defensive players are also going to have 100 made three-pointers. And we're just – we haven't hit everybody's spring break yet. We're in March, and they're still both above 37%. (laughs) It's the story of the season. Because, you you look – you and I were very bullish on KP, and what he's doing now is I think you probably, you and I probably thought he'd be doing that in like early November. So we're kind ambitious. of clown boys. Yeah. Um, we knew Luca. I mean, I, I can't remember. Someone asked me, I don't know if you remember. I, I said Luca would be top three in the league in triple doubles. I don't know if I remember how many I said he would have, but I knew you said on this podcast more than 18 this season. Okay. I think he's already, he's, he's 21 or, or he's no, cl- he's 21 career. He's 22 career. Yeah. Uh, I think 14 this okay. season. So my point being is we knew what KP was. We knew what Luca was. I think you and I both felt like Tim Hardaway. At that time, I thought Tim Hardaway Jr. was going to be a six-man. Yeah, me too. But I said he is your third-best scorer on this team because he can generate offense on his own. We knew what kind of a shooter Seth was. But so all those things are happening. I think Tim's exceeded my expectations. But I thought he'd be good for this team. I thought he'd be their third leading scorer. Luca's not shooting it as well as I thought he would. Right? But he's doing everything else. Obviously. But but all these things that we th- we knew Dwight Powell was going to be great in the pick and roll. Mm. All these things that we thought are happening. What's also happening is Maxi and Dorian have become indispensable indis- players. They're both going to hit a hundred threes before spring break, homie. <laughs> what? Dorian leads the team what? in minutes. Dorian. And you know who's fourth? Maxi. That, that, that I'm played. saying that is the story of the season. Yep. That is the difference in – because I know it's ambitious, but I still think they have an outside shot at being the four seed. Really, all I want is to be the five seed. I want to be in that 5-4 matchup um, because I just – it's where I want to be, man. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I love Houston, Dallas, 4-5. Give me some of that. That would be cool, right man. The winner plays LeBron. I'm, I'm into it. But uh, – and I fear the Clippers more than the Lakers. Yeah, That's a whole too. other story. Me too. But uh, having said all that, I mean, for the most part, dude, we should have beat the Lakers twice. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever. We're getting, I'm getting on a tangent. <laughs> but, but, but I keep trying to reinforce this point. This season – and it's – and I, God, I swear I feel like some people are thinking it's disappointing. I'm ecstatic with the season. And it's Dorian and Maxie are the story of this bad boy. They absolutely are the story of this thing. And they're both way underpaid for the next several seasons. They are. They are. Dorian is a warrior. He is the only player on the team that has a chance to play all 82. And Maxi has missed one game. So together, they've missed a game. They're both shooting 37% from three. They're both easily top 10 3 and D players in the NBA this season. Yeah, dude. Maxi blocked Zion Williamson like five times last night. Dude, by the end of that game, Zion <laughs> was just falling on his ass. He, he was, just kept falling down. He was rattled, but then he gave it back to Maxi a few other times. Oh, he's, yeah. He's a freak. He's a freak. He's incredible. Yeah. That, uh, by the way, he's giving you 24 and 7 after being hurt. He's amazing. Do you know he, how many times do you think? So he took 250 shots. Before last game, in his career, so in his first sixteen games, two hundred fifty mm-hmm. shots. How many times do you think he was blocked? Uh, what, oh. what percentage of his field goal attempts do you think he was blocked on? Oh, How about one percent or something low? It's actually, ten percent higher than I thought. Is 20, that right? Blocked twenty five times on two hundred fifty attempts. 
But is that last, right? last that... night he was blocked five times on 18. Wow. <laughs> so one out of every three shots he got blocked on. That's incredible. Yeah. That's Ma- great Maxie, team defense. shouts to you. And Dorian has had some really, really big games too. And it's easy to look at the oh. Mavs' defensive rating and everything and say, like, man, they don't play a lick of defense. They're actually basically just as good as they were last season. Uh, but those two guys are the reason that they're not way worse. You, you, <laughs> you know, know what we should do too? We need to give some love to Tim Hardaway Jr., we're talking about this on the broadcast because once Dorian got hurt, Tim was going to have to step up and cover oh, yeah. a stud in Brandon Ingram, yeah. a much bigger player than him. And he had some good – I mean, Brandon Ingram had a great game. Brandon Ingram's an all-star. Yeah. Uh, and I thought Tim had some great moments. Dude, that was such a great basketball game. It was fun. Like, it was as far really as regular fun. season goes, yeah. and it wasn't the cleanest. There were a lot of really ugh, turnovers Luca had seven and, of those things, didn't he? And a couple of them were like, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, but – Man, the stars were great, right? There were some highlight plays by both teams. It was awesome. Lonzo Ball is going to be Jason Kidd, just annoying, way smarter than you plays all the time. So right, right now, New Orleans, you know, if you statistically they're a horrible defensive team, uh, they're with, with Zion now and the way that they can situate that thing. I'm a big fan. If I'm a you know basketball coach, I'm going, okay, so my one, two, and three are Drew Holiday, Lonzo Ball, and Brandon Ingram. I can play some defense out on yeah. the perimeter, homie. Yeah. Those guys can switch screens. Man, that is a that has the potential. They're putting a lot of their emphasis on offense. That has the potential to be a pretty good defensive team. Yeah, and I think it needs to be. They're going to take a step forward. I love Derek Favors, but I think once Zion is a center mm-hmm. or they he get a, a, a five that can spread the floor a little bit. Because, I mean, you saw yeah. whenever Melly was in the game, they were getting open threes whenever they wanted. Yes. You can't converge on Zion. No. That's, no, he, the, that's the only way they were able to block him. It was the, they were Bash Brothers down there, yeah. right? There was Zion two, is a center to me. Yeah. All day, every day. But it's a lot of strength. It's the same thing with KP. Yeah. Uh, which – who, by the way, has come out now. Uh, earlier in his career, I think there were quotes, but Anthony Davis has said the same thing. I think even Towns has said stuff before. They prefer to play power forward mm-hmm. because you get your butt beat sometimes playing five because you're guarding guys that are bigger than you. Right. But KP has recently changed his tune and said, no, I, I like playing the five. I get to touch the ball more. I'm he more involved in the action. Right. So he likes playing five on offense, and I think he recognizes – as a rim protector, I'm kind of like a defensive player of the year candidate, yeah. you know, because of all these blocks I'm getting. So I think he's into it. The modern center is kind of like a free safety and It really football. is, especially with the way they play. This there's conservative no, there's no drop banging. And, like, yeah. no, well, I take that back. There's banging. It's a crazy Some guys. Physical. Yeah. But it's not like you're throwing it inside and you are with Zion. Yeah. There's just, there's just not a lot of that anymore. Mm-hmm. Even Jokic, who is probably, in my opinion, the most dominant, unstoppable post guy in the league. He's doing it from like 18 feet away. Yeah, you know, he's not. He's starting it from 18 feet. Yeah. it's not plant for position, elbow, elbow, cross screen. Right, get sandwiched and throw your body around. Right. I mean, it's just he's gonna high post back you down. There's you not know? a lot of zazas out there that are just beating you. Up. No, no, not at all. Uh, so that kind of leads to the question. This is from uh, from a, a listener um, with KP kind of showing what he can do with the five, and he, he's on an undeniable tear. And Luca KP, their their two men game is on another level right now. What does that mean? This is projecting, but what does that mean for Dwight Powell? The guy who was starting and he was playing awesome and everything, mm -hmm. and he's under contract for three more years. What does that mean for him? It means he's a part of – first of all, uh, it's really hard to, like, project what a guy is going to be after injury, right? Like, there's a chance because of the nature of the injury, Dwight has to play a different style of basketball. Mm. Um, Best case, let's assume he's – 
95% of okay. the player that he was. Same style. Everything. Then you find minutes for that because it's crazy effective. Yeah. You know, the, here's the other thing about this team. If you look at, like even we're talking about Maxi and Dorian and different things, who on this team stands out? Well, I don't want to say it like that because then you're kind of calling guys out. But in general, the guys on this team, everybody wants to play more. I guarantee you Luca wants to play more. Mm-hmm. But, like, who is not a part of this team? Like, everyone's a part of this team. Do you think if Dwight Powell comes back and is playing 16 minutes a game, he's going to complain? I think he would love it. Right. I'm just saying they're, they will find a role for Dwight Powell, mm-hmm. if, especially if he's 100% or 95% of what he was because he's effective and he matters and he helps you win games. Mm-hmm. You know, the goal of this thing is, to, especially now that, boy, we really ration out minutes in the regular season – I was just thinking about this. I was, uh, oh my God, we're back to my buddy Sean Hudgens. Hey, but he sent me a text. Get him on the pod. He sent me a text the other day about Courtney Lee. It's like, man, you know, Courtney Lee can still play in this league. I was like, yeah, he can. He absolutely can. But it's pretty great to have a guy at the end of your bench that's not going to bitch when he doesn't play, and when he does play, you know exactly what you're going to get it from falls him to the wall, even if he hadn't played in eight games because he's a vet. He's comfortable with who he is. You know, it's they're, it's different, but that's what Deshaun Stevenson was when he got here. It, Deshaun, if he didn't play, he wasn't over there bitching or complaining. Deshaun, we need you. Cool. I mean, that's what you need. Mm-hmm. You know, J.J. wants to play more. He's not happy like, hey, this is the role I've always wanted. <laughs> but J.J.'s not causing problems. Mm-hmm. Boban's not causing problems. As far as I know, Willie Cauley-Stein's not causing problems. Right. MKG, so, I think he gets I mean, everyone gets it. They get it. And then when you call on them, they're ready to go because they're not over there unhappy with their life situation. This is a good place to be. Mm-hmm. That's magic. And I think next year – even if he's whatever, let's say he's the same exact player, even if he doesn't start, I still think there are times where he will spot start, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's only four guys right now firmly entrenched in the starting lineup. That's Luca, Tim, Dorian, KP. Mm-hmm. That fifth spot, Seth, Maxi, Dwight before, it alternates, right? right? So depending on the matchup, and also you got second nights of back-to-backs. I don't know what that's going to be like, not only for KP, but also for Luca, who's can't freaking – Stop stepping on people's feet. Yeah. Getting slapped on the hand. I mean, there might be t- – for the rest of their career, there might be time. Just take a day off. Yep. You know, that's what having depth is all about. So, yes. And the kind of depth the Mavericks have. Yeah. And, and what I'm – I guess it was it was inevitable to lead to this at some point, but teams downsize in the playoffs. They, they typically go more wings, fewer bigs. Mm-hmm. And so there was a chance, even if Dwight never got hurt, that he was – going to come off the bench in the playoffs anyway, depending right. on the matchup, of course. Now, right, if you're going right. up against the Lakers, he's playing. But uh, there was a very good chance that KP was going to be your starting five or at least your primary five in the playoffs, in my opinion. Yeah. I could be wrong. But I think that this just kind of like fast-tracks that process. But it's still I'm still of the opinion, and the Rockets are trying to prove me wrong, that size helps you win in the regular season, skill wins in the playoffs. It maybe used to be the other way around. But nowadays – you need size, you need big man depth to bang around and do all your crap and set screens and commit fouls and get rebounds. But in the playoffs, you want your guys to score. Mm-hmm. And Dwight will help you 100% of the time in the regular season, whatever you ask him to do. Yep. Right? So I think that it's it's probably a good problem to have if you have guys that are playing so well that Dwight's your sixth man. Especially if the guys are happy to be here. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Which I think everybody is. 
Absolutely. Um, okay, so you mentioned it earlier, but the last thing before we get out of here, you said bring on Houston. I think that would be, I think that would be pretty awesome. But right now, it's a two-team race basically for six. It's the Mavs and the Thunder. Now it changes every day. One of them takes the lead. One of them falls behind. One wins. One loses. They're still what three games back of Houston and mm-hmm. two and a half of Utah or mm-hmm. two. It changes all the time, but right. the Mavs play those teams a combined four times. So mm-hmm. there's a very good chance that if they just go on a run and win those head-to-heads, that they could climb as high as fourth. Yep, they could be as low as seventh. I don't see them falling any lower than that nope. at this point. It's almost impossible. So there's a very good chance that they will play either the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Rockets, and the Jazz. Mm-hmm. Real quick to set the table. Why are the Thunder so good? Well, in games when the score is within one point inside the final minute, coin flips. Yep. The Thunder are 14-5. and five. Do you know why? Because they get really lucky, but also Chris Paul. It's is, Chris Paul. And yeah. I look, I said this before the season started. I didn't say that they were going to make the playoffs and be the sixth seed. But I said people are wrong about the Thunder. I was wrong. Because Chris Paul, when he's healthy – is one of the 20 best players in the world, and you guys can at me all day long, <laughs> and you can tell me all, all the negative stuff you want to say, and that's cool, and Chris Paul's going to go out there and beat your ass. Yeah. Because there's there it's, it's, like, uh, it's the whole thing of like, and I realize he hasn't had the playoff success, um, but p- people have forgotten how good of a basketball player he was because of the Houston situation and his injuries. When he is healthy, he is an elite, elite, elite basketball player, probably the greatest point guard of his generation, and he is going to beat your ass, all right? And and I'm sitting there, I'm looking at that team, I'm going, wait a minute, you're tanking with Chris Paul, Gallinari, and Steven Adams? That's not going to work. Yeah. They're going to win games. They If, if Chris Paul's healthy, they're going to win a lot of games. I mean, I understand hating Chris Paul. And I'll just say it. He comes off as a total douche. <laughs> He's an unlikable douche. All right? But that guy is an elite basketball player. LeBron doesn't let you in his, in his crew if you suck. Yeah. All right? He's on the it's, banana boat for a reason. Right. And so I just I didn't see the all this. I was thinking, God, they might just want to buy Chris Paul out if they want to lose. They're not. He's not going to lose basketball games. Mm. He hasn't lost basketball games since when? His first year in the league. Yeah, he's been when did Chris Paul state. ever lose basketball games? Never, man. Never. So I just, I was like, dude, if that guy's healthy, they're winning a crap ton of games. Still, fourteen and five in one point games is insane. No other team has more than eleven wins, and only the Lakers and the Clippers have a higher win percentage in uh-huh. those games. So I mean, they're like, oh, the they're teams like with the all the veteran Rangers. elite winning guys. Got yeah, it. but it's, it's like the twenty sixteen Rangers, right? They won right. the division, but they were like forty and zero in run right. run games. And it's like, well, this is you can't deny that they're winning, but yeah. also it's just kind of like, man, they get a little lucky. Uh, by contrast, the Mavs are three and twelve. Okay. So in uh, in non boy they're unlucky yeah in well yeah in non close games they're what thirty four and twelve or something uh-huh. like that meanwhile in non close games the Thunder are like twenty and thirty so right. or whatever so you know that's that's the separating factor right now anyway all is said and done you're grappling with them for the six seed and you have an outside shot at the five and even the four seed so all likelihood. Clippers, Denver, Houston, Utah. I think it's pretty clear that you and I are both like, if you play the Clippers, Clippers are going to win the NBA championship. Yeah, you, you can have me well on that too. Just, 
try and win a game. And I mean, now if and, and I didn't even realize they'd snuck up to second until the other day. I was like, oh, they're not losing that seed. Yeah, no, they're. Uh, they, it's all, they could even get to one. They're 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 about to ratchet it up. Yeah, they're about they're, to show you what the best team in the world looks. They're like. They're about to try. Yeah, they're five and a half out of the Lakers right now. They're, uh, they don't have enough time to catch them. But they're not going to catch them because the Lakers are like nine and one in their last ten. Last time I checked, yeah, they're not they're yeah. not ga- no, the losing. Clippers any won ground. five in a row and they might not lose again. They're, the Clippers are they're about awesome. to show everybody what the best team in the world looks like. Yeah, yeah, they're they're turning it on. So I think they're going to be the number two seed. Being seventh would suck really bad. Uh, still game on. Let's whatever. Get get your experience to play those guys. But if if you don't play them, right? Denver, Houston, Utah, with twenty games to go, no idea what health is going to look like for any of these teams. Let's Who assume we, health. Let's assume everybody's a hundred percent. Well, just relative, your main. Relative. Relative. Yeah, I always yeah, yeah. say assume relative health. Okay. Uh, Houston, you say bring it on. Let's do it. That's the one I want to play the most. You Houston more than Denver Absolutely. or Utah. Okay, what For about me? I want to play Utah the least, Denver second most, and Houston the most. I think I'm with you. Only switch Denver and Houston. Okay, I'd you rather play, play Denver, Denver the, the most. most. Jokic uh, yeah. will really dominate <laughs> yeah. in that series, but I think KP would too. There's not a lot of playoff history of playoff success on their roster. Yeah. Whereas with Utah, I, Utah's won some series, but they haven't advanced out of the second round. Right. Um, and Gobert is just a menace. That would suck really bad. And Bojan never misses. I mean, yeah. they're really good. I think they're an excellent basketball team. Yeah, they're team. really good. Now, I think that I think it would be a series, right? Like, I, I think the Mavs will be competitive with any of those three teams. Yeah. Frankly, I think with the Clippers, they the Clippers are going to blow some teams out. But, like, I don't think they would just be totally embarrassed or humiliated or anything. But I'd rather play the Lakers. I'd rather the play the Lakers than the Clippers too. Yeah. <laughs> That's what, give me the four seed or yeah. the five seed. But um, I think the Mavs would win probably multiple games. If gun to my head, at least two games against any of those three teams: Denver, Houston, Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they could beat all three of them if things go their way. They won't be favored in any of those three series, but I feel good about all three of them. Yeah, because I believe in the team. Ten series they play against Houston. How many do they win? Six. The Mavs win six out of ten series against the Rockets? In my opinion. Woo! Spicy. You know what happens, man, too? Is like of all those teams, which ones of what's which of those teams is feeling the most pressure? I, that's a that's a good question. I, I think mean, Houston by a million miles to me. Probably. Probably. Dude, you go look at their go pull up their contracts. Yeah. And tell me that they're not feeling. They got to do. They have to win this year. Yeah. Did you see Daryl Morey's comments the other day where he was on with Nick Wright and whatever that show's called? I don't watch it. Right. Well, it, it, I saw it on Twitter, but Daryl Morey uh, was on there, and he was talking about. And don't forget this, Matt fans. Golden State gonna be back up in that ass next year. <laughs> you can book that. They are book that. They are. And Daryl Morey was going. Well, we kind of really want to get it done this year because. <laughs> Um, next year is when Russ and James really start hating each other and we got to do this thing all over again. And, uh, they've got nothing but immense pressure on their heads. You want to know what happened the last time Russ was in the playoffs? Remember him and PG? See ya. Dame was waving bye-bye as he showed who the better guard was. Ah. And now James Harden has all this he's got to prove, and they just shoved everything in on small. Dude, they have immense pressure on them. Yeah. The Mavericks are playing with house money. They're a 30-win team last year. Give me that all day (laughs) long. 
all day long. Let's go. Let's go. What seed do you have to get to play them? I Probably think it's a four or five match. Four matchup. or five? Yep. Winner plays LeBron, and that's your that's your pass. No, I, I'm. that's exciting to me. Oh, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, because you avoid clip joint. Yeah. Well, and also, it's just cool. Like, Luka versus LeBron would be awesome. Yeah. Luka versus Harden would be awesome. I yeah. mean, I think it would be great no matter what. I think they have a lot to gain from playing Houston because of the... I think it would be a fun matchup, and it It'd would be, be exciting. Blast. Utah's like a grind. They just execute you to death. It's joyless, and whatever, you go to that arena and get taunted and all that stuff. Yeah. Denver and Houston would be really fun basketball. Yeah. It would be some great TV. Yeah. And beating Houston would be awesome. It would be the best. Losing to them would be equally terrible. No. You know what? It would suck, but again. Because it's is, Houston. Yeah, I know, because it's Houston, but, but look at – I mean – they're still going to be sitting there going, my God, the only thing we've ever won and we're cheaters. I mean, it's just <laughs> horrible, isn't it? Which that's not true. I mean, I'm, I'm actually a huge Hakeem Olajuwon fan, so yeah. I, I support the early Multiple 90s. championships, man. I support the early 90s. I mean, I'm a five slam a jamma Olajuwon Never fan, underestimate so. the heart of a champion. No, yeah, unless I support they use technology to cheat. Right, to cheat. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I, I, not only do I like the matchup the best, I like all the outside noise. Love how because all, none of that's going to impact the Mavericks. Yeah, they are rolling with house money, baby. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, we're entering basically the home stretch, man. It's March fifth. The last game of the regular season that the Mavs play is April fifteenth. So we got about we have forty one days actually. I can't. Oh, until the, the big season German. ends. I love you, Dirk. Hey. Uh, so this is it. This yep. is the this is the final kind of the the final kick it into high gear and it's time to get it together. Four out of the next five are at home. If we um, had the rights to play Europe's the final countdown right now, it'd be let's firing off. Go. Any of this uh, year. We we uh, probably shouldn't given uh, the state of affairs, but um, you know. Maybe I'll edit it in afterwards. Ah! Hey, just I won't tell anybody about it. Um, they play four of their next eight games or against the teams that are basically they're competing with for their magic numbers. So they could have this thing locked up basically in a, a week and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's just let's get healthy, let's get right, and let's win a freaking series. Let's go. I think what's more important to me is form than results. Play well. Yeah. Right? If they If they lose that game last night, it would have sucked, but it would have been like uh, they played hard. They yep. played well. You yep. know, fewer Chicago games. Yep. More games against the Pelicans. I can't wait right? for Memphis tomorrow night. Yeah, it's going to be a good I game. I guess by the time people hear this, it may be tonight. And Indy on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then That's they go to great. San Antonio. They're looking for their first season sweep ever yes. of the Spurs. Ever. Yes. They've ever. never done it. Ever, ever. We could be witnessing history. And then maybe a playoff preview against Denver on Wednesday. It is going to be an exciting week of Mavs basketball. We will be here with you every step of the way. We'll be back. I'm sure sometime next week we'll get together and uh, record something. Yeah, we've got to. We have no yeah, choice. for the people. It's because it's that the time of year, what man. They want. It's that time of year. It is numbers on the boards. We will see you next week. See you.